Hello and welcome to the third edition of the Government Digital Service podcast. Uh, my name is Angus Montgomery and I'm a senior writer at GDS. Um, and for this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking to um, Liz Luckendorf and Rosa Fox from the GDS Women's Network. Um, so thank you very much both for joining me. Thank you for having us. <laughs> um, and before I start, if I could just ask you, because we're going to go on to talk about the Women's Network and what it does and why it was set up and um, why it exists in GDS. And we're kind of loosely talking about it because um, 2018 is the centenary of women's suffrage in the UK. And in fact, I think on the 21st of November 1918, women could be elected to Parliament for the first time. So I think in, in February there was universal suffrage or women's suffrage and in 2018. In November, women could be elected to Parliament. So we're hoping that this will be released at about that date. Um, so that's why we're here. But before we go into that, I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about yourselves and how you ended up at GDS and what you do. Um, so Liz, if you could sort of let me know, how long have you been at GDS and what, what do you do here? I've been here almost seven years now, Wow! so I am like a veteran of GDS. <laughs> Since the beginning. Almost the beginning, so I'm pre-GDS, but not pre-gov.uk, I think. Right. Um, so I was brought on uh, in January 2012, and originally I uh, was looking at this site called Business Link, if anyone remembers it, <laughs> to analyse the user needs to add them to what was then the beta of gov.uk. Um, so I was with a content team for about uh, four or five years, uh, and then I worked with the GovUK program as a whole, uh, trying to make us more efficient and use data better. Uh, and then J January this year, uh, January this year, I moved to uh, Verify to do the same thing. So looking at data analysis, how the program works, things like that. Oh, cool. And Rosa, what, what do you do and how long have you been at GDS? Uh, yeah, so I've been at GDS for nearly three years yeah. and I work as a software developer. Um, I was on GovUK for two years doing um, mostly back-end development in a language called Ruby and I then joined Verify um, maybe about six months ago. So yeah, me and Liz are now on the same program and yeah, working in Java um, on the Verify project. So cool. yeah, it's good. And what's your background? What were you doing before you came to GDS and to government? Uh, so I worked in um, quite a small uh, Ruby on Rails agency yeah. um, previously. Um, and then before that, various jobs, um, mostly in kind of small tech companies. Yeah. And then before that, I was studying um, my degree, which was half music, half computer science. So, so sort of background in the, in the wider sort of private sector e tech industry. Yes. Yeah. And Liz, how about you? Broadly the same. Uh, so I was working for a startup. And before that, I was working for a company that did uh, kind of accessible formats. Yeah. Uh, it was a translation company, but also did accessible formats. So, um, kind of just that. And then before that, I was in Canada and I was in university. So. Okay. Cool. And you're both uh, obviously involved in the in the women's network at GDS. What do you have? Kind of formal roles in it? Is is what 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 do you do for the network? Uh, yeah. So I am a co-chair of the women's network. Yeah. So in. January, um, we relaunched the network. Um, so me and um, a colleague called Amanda Diamond, who mm. is now on loan to ACAS, um, but she was like really instrumental in kind of relaunching the network with me. Um, and um, on Amanda's uh, departure, um, Nikki Zachary and Laura Flannery have joined me as co-chairs. Mm -hmm. um, and 
as a part of that, um, as a part of the big relaunch, which I can go into more detail uh, later, um, we kind of created five working groups yeah. and um, we have um, people involved in um, a lot of the different groups. So Liz is involved in events mostly. Um, and the pay transparency. Yes, and pay transparency. Um, okay, cool. So. so very active roles, both of you. Yeah. Why does the Women's Network exist and what, what's its purpose? What's it there to do? I'm trying to remember back to when we started it, but I think... <laughs> It was still at Aviation House. Were you here when it started, or is it already existed? I read that it started in 2014, so I wasn't here, yeah. but you probably were. So I think it was generally that um, GDS had been growing larger. Mm. Um, we were becoming more, moving more from kind of being a scrappy startup uh, to actually having kind of formal things and how to how yeah. we as employees improve the organisation. I think a lot of us were actually becoming permanent employees rather than contractors as well. Yeah. Uh, so I remember we had by the all purple sofas, so like we don't have meeting rooms as normal. <laughs> uh, and we just kind of got together like, do we want to do this thing? And it was like, yes, we should do this thing. And it started as I think a lot of just email, uh, like talking about things that were happening, not really any huge formal structure that we have, no, that we have now. Um, and then over time, it became more formalized. Mm. We were like, what do we want? What kind of uh, goals do we want to achieve? Um, and so we did some more events. Um, we weren't really quite active in changing policy yet. Yeah. That's come more with the formal relaunch. Do you remember, was there a particular spark or a catalyst that kind of led to this happening? I'm not sure. I think there are other people who recognize that there was a gap, that we didn't have one. Mm. Um, uh, I'm, I'm really. I, I wasn't really involved. I just remember it happening and being at the group. But I think mm. it was just we didn't have it. Yeah. Um, and we thought there were things that we could improve. Um, yeah. We recognised the fact that we had far fewer female developers. Um, a lot of the technical roles were male-dominated, with only like maybe one or two people uh, who were women in senior levels and things like that. Our SM team was generally quite uh, male-heavy. I think at that time, uh, it's gotten better in recent months and years um but yeah so it was it was mainly a recognition that we didn't have this and we we recognized the imbalance in the workplace at the time yeah um and there were several changes quite early on i think um no, maybe not early on but under stephen forshu kane our second Mm. director we went to having female having female representation on every interview panel Mm -hmm. which i think the people team have stats that showed that that actually increased the amount of at least it people accepting job offers or giving job offers, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and then as well as making the commitment of not to speak at events that are male dominated. Yeah. So making sure that women are represented on panel discussions or in the conference in general. Um, so it was quite nice to have that commitment quite early on from our senior management to improve uh, women's opportunity in these panels as well. So putting putting women forward to speak at GDS events yeah. rather than having the same people um, who may have previously spoken anyway and don't really know, need the kind of experience or profile raising. Uh, so that was quite nice. That was fairly early on in, in development of the network, I think, yeah. by engaging with SMT. And did you find um, SMT senior management team and leadership, did you find that they were quite receptive to this idea of having a women's network and, and was mm. the organisation receptive as well? Yeah, in general, I think yeah. GDS is quite acceptant of most networks, <laughs> uh, if not all networks. Uh, so it's good, but especially under Stephen, I think it was action happened as a result of it, which yeah. was really nice. Yeah. And Rosa, as someone who joined GDS when the women's network had been set up and existed, would you remember when you first sort of came across it and what you thought of it? Yes. Yeah, so... Um 
I suppose for software development, it is very male-dominated. Mm. And um, I suppose on a lot of my teams, I was often the only woman. Um, so when I heard that there was a women's network, I kind of I felt, even though you know the, the guys on my team were lovely, and fortunately I didn't experience any uh, harassment or discrimination, but you know sometimes if you're you're struggling or mm. you know you kind of want to be around people that you can relate to um yeah. you've i don't know it made me feel a bit more comfortable um knowing that i had kind of a you know more of a support group there um so when i found out about the women's network um i think it was probably uh through the inspirational speaker series um, okay yeah so i think that's how i probably heard that it was in existence um and um yeah, and then I started going to meetings and things from there. So, and what did you had you ever come across anything similar in in other roles in your jobs before GDS? Um, so not so much because I worked at quite small companies. Yeah. Um, but so outside of work, um, I organ well I co-organise um something called Code Bar, which is right. free weekly coding workshops for people underrepresented in the tech industry. So although in a kind of work capacity, I hadn't I've done a lot of kind of um, diversity related community stuff outside of work so in terms of having like a supportive network of people and like building that and being involved in that um, it was quite a big part of my life but to actually have it in work um, wasn't something that I'd had before as such but I think that was just because I'd worked in quite small places so. And what's it like because I kind of I think I probably joined UDS about the same time as you and had a similar-ish background in that I'd worked in smaller organisations in the private sector. And to me, one of the really noticeable things about coming to GDS was the fact that these networks existed, but the fact that they were so active and it was really inescapable that that these kind of networks existed and this kind of diversity existed. And that was really amazing and something that just really stuck. I remember my first few days just seeing things like rainbow flags all over the place and stuff like that and not... Have it, having come from an environment that I thought was quite inclusive to one that was really, really obviously inclusive was really amazing. Did, I mean, had, did you find something similar or how did, how did you kind of feel about it? Yeah, I think um, it helps a lot to just be very vocal about what, mm. what is acceptable and what you want and the kind of culture that you want to have. So, um, for example, we have like lots of um, posters that we kind of put all over the walls and things just to try and be like you know we're here we're present Um, and I think the more that um, you make your values known then the easier it is to call out when something isn't right and and that is still difficult to do even with everything that we have and that is something that we're still you know working on improving but um, I think you know ultimately um, knowing that we're creating somewhere where people should feel comfortable to be themselves and yeah. feel included. Um, it's really important, so I think it's good to kind of like shout it from the rooftops and try and Absolutely. you know make sure everyone is. Because again, one of the things that struck me is the amount of like you say shouting from the rooftops, but the amount of energy that you need to, to have to keep that going um, as well. Like it's really important to continue to be really really vocal about this stuff. I mean, Liz, is that something that you've found kind of you know having been involved in the network since the beginning, like? You kind of, it's not just, you can't just do this thing and then let it go. You've kind of got to keep going with it and got yeah. to keep really vocal. I would say anyone listening in any capacity, you know, I, I get involved with so many things because I'm generally a person who will just like <laughs> do them. I will get involved and I will be an active person. And so this isn't the only network I'm in, for example. Um, 
but the problem is that networks live and die by the people who get involved yeah. uh, and it's having the umbrella is great but you still need the individuals to do the planning do the organization um, and it's I think if there, there's a difference between joining a thing and you're like oh there's this thing and that's wonderful and I'll participate and go to the things but it takes an extra level of kind of personal courage and political capital to be I'm also going to be the annoying person who raises the thing that has upset the group yeah and being that front person to say this wasn't appropriate or yeah. um, putting on a controversial talk if you want to do that or something like that and again I think when it ebbs and flows is when people <laughs> have left yeah. and we're doing that role and there's like a vacuum uh, to replace it and so or you're just really busy you know you know work in GDS kind of ebbs yeah. and flows as well mm-hmm. uh, and so if you if you feel you have the time and energy uh, and you're not afraid of doing that like get involved we need you we always need you <laughs> don't feel like you're going to step on people's toes like just say oh, I would really like to help what would you like me to do this is what I'm interested in like they will love you for it uh, no one will think you're kind of butting in or being mean or yeah. like trying to take over it's like we just need the help uh, we're all working every day you know we have holidays we have good days and bad days and so anyone who can pick up the sack is completely 100% <laughs> absolutely welcome to get involved <laughs> yeah and it does you know it does take courage and you know it can be like these some of the issues that we deal with are you know it can be emotionally draining but mm. we just do what we can to support each other and you have to think back to the suffragettes do you do <laughs> sort of words like you know they uh, you know as a community they got together and they fought for change and they got it so yeah just keep you, going i mean you mentioned that it's challenging and obviously it takes a lot of energy but do you you you're seeing change because you are things are changing because the network exists and that must be hugely rewarding. Um, do you get that feeling as well? And is that, is that what sort of keeps you going in a sense? Yeah, I definitely think from, from being here seven years ago that GDS in different ways have, has gotten better and worse, you know, mm-hmm. worse in the sense like it's not as small as it was, so you don't, you don't feel involved in every decision. Uh, sometimes you don't know where things come from. Sometimes you don't know who these people are because mm-hmm. they're on a different floor and you've never met them. But in other ways, it's become much better. Uh, I think the hiring practice has gotten a lot more slicker. Mm-hmm. We definitely have more women involved in the workplace uh, and, 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 in, and in senior positions. Uh, and we have now the time to do the network things. I think at the very beginning, it was just like, let's just get stuff over the line. Oh yeah, my yeah, God. Yeah. Uh, so busy, so stressful. Uh, and so it's mellowed in the sense that we have the time. People aren't expected to, you know, be heroes and just constantly deliver and deliver and deliver Um, and then so that way I think it's a much better workplace especially for people who want to be involved in something but have kids or have caring commitments or are reservists or whatever that you don't feel like you're letting the team down if you can't spend 100% of time delivering the thing you can take that time out to help make the workplace better and I think on aggregate it has become better yeah yeah and I'd say it is so rewarding I mean for example, one of the um, one of the things that we've done is um, a break into public speaking workshop, yeah. and um, so when people sign up, so originally it was for the women's network. Now it's for anyone underrepresented in tech. Um, and when it was when it when people register, they fill out a form and they um, talk about you know what holds you back from public speaking, um, what are your worries, what are your fears, um, and it's like you know it's really sad to see the responses and it seems like I, I'm worried I don't have anything interesting to say um 
I'm scared that I'll completely freeze when I get on stage, yeah. like all the worries that people yeah, have yeah, about yeah. public speaking. But um, when people turn up, you know, the women, they're so talented. They've got so many amazing stories. And I think what kind of world do we live in where these people have been told that they don't have anything to say? Yeah. Um, so to see people go from, um, you know, and it's not their ability that's a problem. It's, it's the, the lack of confidence. Yeah. And to see people go from, you know, these fears to then see them, you know, present at the end and go on to speak at conferences and do all these things. And I think like having underrepresented people out there speaking, having a voice is so important and it's so inspirational to others as well. So things like that I find really, um, yeah, really, in- really inspiring. The nice thing about GDS, I think, and it's, it's still present, it was present at the beginning and it's still present now, is that everyone is wants to see the best of people, yeah. and so again, the the, intro, the getting involved in public speaking, you can go there knowing that they're going to be supportive and yeah. no one's going to laugh or anything. They're there because they genuinely have either struggled themselves, they want to help people, and that's the same ethos across GDS that uh, everyone wants the best out of everyone and they want to help them get there, uh, and so like coming to work for GDS. Uh, must be lovely for some people because I know coming from another job that you know you don't have that right it's kind of like a terrible workplace not everyone hates each other but there's cliques and stuff like that (laughs) and it's genuinely amazing to have such support here and I think it's I don't know if it's unique Uh, I don't know if other teams across civil service experience this but you know when people leave the first the thing the thing that is common to everyone leaving is like I don't know why I'm leaving Uh, (laughs) this is truly amazing and I've never worked with nicer people in my life Uh, I've learned so much from everyone and I think like even if we change in a very you know whatever ways we change as an organization as long as that stays true uh, I think GDS will always be an amazing place to work yeah and what's um, in in your time in the women's network? What what do you think is the most rewarding or valuable thing that the network has has done? Or what's the thing that you, you kind of think? Oh, I'm so pleased that we did that. <laughs> oh, there's literally so many things. I say like kind of as an overall general thing, um, and then I can go into a few more examples. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think um, so. When I talk about um, all the different working groups that we've got. Um, so obviously the chairs of the network are just a few people. We've only got so much time. Mm. So the network basically relies upon like the work of so many people kind of coming together and making change. So I think that in itself is, you know, something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we have inspirational speakers that come in. Um, we, um, yeah, I suppose the public speaking workshops. Um, yeah. So training and mentoring, um, there's a training mentoring group. They had um, kind of a launch of a mentoring, um, I want to say service, but that's not the word, (laughs) (laughs) a mentoring um, scheme here at GDS. Um, So that's basically pairing um, women with um, mentors uh, to help them with um, kind of questions to do with uh, career progression and um, advancing their careers. so yeah that's something exciting that's happened um we i remember the previous network did something called reverse mentoring oh yeah yeah. when i started gds um i think it was like two months after i um i joined i did that and i was reverse mentoring alex holmes who was the coo at the time and that was really interesting because um i think when you so at the time when i thought of a coo i kind of think of this like superhuman like um mark zuckerberg or bill gates (laughs) or someone like that um so to actually kind of uh 
like be able to regularly talk to the CEO of the company you work at yeah. is really inspiring because you find out from them how they got to that point um, and also it makes you realise that maybe it's not completely unattainable, um, which is really positive. So, um, yeah, things like that. Um, what else have we had? Um, so things like having diverse interview panels yeah. um, is another thing. Oh, um, this is quite an interesting one. So the previous... Um, people that were in charge of the Women's Network kind of managed to get lots of the fixed-term appointment contracts to be made permanent because obviously right. if you're going on maternity leave and your contract runs out, you don't have that kind of job security. Um, so I think, yeah, pushing things forward like that um, has been really good. Um, One of the things that's sort of related to that, and it's a thing that obviously we talk a lot about at GDS, but um, there's lots of there are lots of statistics about how underrepresented women are in the tech industry so I think there's a PwC report that I've seen quoted quite a lot that says something like only 15% of people working in STEM science science technology engineering and maths um, in the UK are female and only 5% of people in leadership positions identify as women as well it's an obvious question but why <laughs> why why is that and and is the tech industry particularly bad and what are the things that make it so well, I think it stems from, like, a young age. I mean, apparently, well, you know, women were the first computer programmers um, mm. after the war. We were there, um, well, I say coding, um, writing the code out by hand and making punch cards and things like <laughs> that. Um, but I think the 1980s was probably when a kind of male domination crept in and, you know, it became more lucrative to be a programmer. Mm. Um, it became, I suppose, the kind of sci-fi um, hacker image started. And um, I suppose, I don't know, women must have just got slowly pushed out. Um, and I mean, I don't think the numbers have improved much since the 80s, which is such a shame. I think a lot of it is how we're conditioned from a young age. So, um, you know, girls partly I think it's girls are not really taught to take risks and things in the way right. that boys are you know boys will be boys girls shouldn't play in the mud that right. kind of thing and and with um, programming it does take a lot of uh, it takes a lot of grit and determination at first you know you're going you have to get comfortable with making mistakes right. because you you break things all the time, things aren't going to work. You have to sit there for hours trying to get, like, you've missed out a bracket and then you realise and then your code works. Things like that. So I think um, maybe that's part of it. And another thing is, um, you know, maybe it's not... It's got this kind of geeky image. Maybe it's not considered cool to program computers. And, you know, if you're a girl and you're at school, maybe you're more interested in, um, you know, trying to fit in or with your friends and maybe... it does stem from that age and also I think also girls are just told that they can't do it I mean I've heard yeah. of um, I knew someone who was studying computing a level um, quite a long time ago now at school and um, they basically said um, well her tutor just constantly put her down um, they had a kind of um, anonymous test score um, announcement and someone had scored really highly and they were like I'll put up your hand who do you think this was and it was her so you know she was um constantly put down but then she would get good grades so I think um yeah if you're kind of told that you're not going to be good at something and then the opportunities aren't there then yeah yeah and, and also and, and I don't think this is um true just of the tech industry but I know for a fact this is true of industries 
beyond that, but the level of representation of women, the higher up you go, the more senior you get becomes less and less. And that figure about only 5% of people in leadership roles identify as women. Like, why, why is that an issue? Why is, so on top of this kind of structural discrimination, I suppose, against women coming into the tech industry, you've then got this kind of career progression issue. Why does that happen? Yeah, again, I think it's like, you know, it's not an individual company company thing. It's society, right? Mm. So you have, um, in, in, in organizations, right, a lot of the tech stuff is going to be small companies, probably not with great HR policies, probably not with leave or, you know, flexible working is not a thing that exists. Uh, and so if you're a care mother, if you have any of these responsibilities which disproportionately fall towards women, um, that's not going to be really attractive. And mm. that's also where you can get lots of experience and actually go from being a small startup to scaling up quite quickly and being in those senior roles. So if you don't want to do that, then where do you go? Mm. Um, someplace with GDS, you have those structures in place mm. that allow you to rise. But GDS is civil service. Not a lot of people know that, you know, there's tech opportunities in the civil service still. Uh, even though there's, you know, there's GDS, there's loads of digital teams within um, many government departments. Uh, who will offer you that support. Uh, and so until that changes across a lot of the tech sector, I don't know if it'll improve. Mm. Um, and same with being in a senior role. If you're not seen as like constantly going for that, then you're not going to rise either and putting yourself up there. And if you want to go on leave to have a child mm. or something, then that's going to hold you back. And, you know, there's enough research that says that's a, a big problem. Um I think as well, you have to be quite vocal, right? Yeah. You need to have, um, maybe not even vocal, but just have that aim and, and kind of relentlessly pursue it. Uh, and I don't think a lot of people are raised like that, like uh, Rosa said. Um, I was not raised like that. Um, my mom uh, was born in the Netherlands and she did a mathematics degree in like the 1960s or something. Uh, and she only could become a teacher. That was her only option uh, at that time. Yeah. And so when I was raised, my mom was like, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> and like, I changed my mind every five minutes. She's like, doesn't matter, just work for it. <laughs> right? Typical kind of very Dutch approach to things. Like, yeah. you work for it and you'll do it. Um, and so I grew up with a very different perception of like, oh, I can literally do everything, uh, which has made me probably more mouthy than I should be. Um, but... At the same time, when I'm in the workforce, I know that I am, on average, probably a lot more argumentative than most of my female colleagues, yeah. uh, but on par with my male colleagues, because I don't really see that difference, because yeah. uh, that's kind of how I was raised. So unless you're getting that support, probably, yeah. from a young age, um, you're not going to be like that. And even growing up through high school and university, I was always kind of like, I'm going to do public speaking, I'm going to do this, I'm going yeah. to do that. Um, and my parents were all supportive. Uh, they didn't. They never said I couldn't do anything. So it is. You need a lot of support from a lot of different angles to be able to get to that position and to yeah. fight for that position. Yeah. Probably disproportionate to the people who are, who are male and getting those positions because yeah. it's kind of expected. Yes. That's, oh, sorry. I was going to say yeah, it's so true. You know, girls have for years outperformed boys in every subject in school yeah. you know it's not down to the ability of women women are just as intelligent i want to say if not more but <laughs> no no it's about equality um, <laughs> you know we're just as intelligent as each other and um you know it's 
it's just awful that women are treated as setting second class citizens when you know it's just the structures have just been so skewed for so long and it just needs to change We've talked a lot, obviously, about um, the women's network and about, I suppose, as a consequence of that, what women are doing to help each other in the workplace and you as women are doing to help other women. But what can men do to help? So, well, as a starter, the women's network is open to everyone. You don't have to identify as a woman to be a member. Is that... That's correct, isn't it? Yeah. And do you, uh, presumably still the majority of members are women. Do you, do you have a lot of members who don't? Yeah, I'd say the majority are women, but we are, we have, so it's International Men's Day in, mm-hmm. in ooh, a couple of weeks. So we're having um, a male allies event um, and we're having um, someone, an Oxford professor called Taha Yasseri, and he's going to be doing a talk about data science and the Everyday Sexism pro- uh, Project. And then we're going to have, um, so two GDS um workers, um, so Kieran Housen and Matt Gregory, and they're going to be talking about shared parental leave, and then we're going to be talking about what it is to be a good male ally, kind of like a group discussion, so yeah. hopefully we'll be able to get more, um, you know, people of any gender to join the network as a result of that as well, um, so hopefully that will be improving, but at the moment, yeah, it is mostly women. I'd say to be a good ally, um, firstly, I think it's like recognising your biases I think calling out bad behavior um, and you know being setting a good example Um, and also I think if um, if a woman tells you that they think something is sexist or they think it's something is harassment then it it probably is like so you know I I find it stressful when people try and undermine someone's um, you know opinion on something like that um i think you know if someone tells you this is sexist it probably is stop doing it yeah kind of thing i think on a really individual level that especially in the workplace somewhere like gds or the civil service or anywhere where you have like a performance review at the end of the year or mid-year or whatever is to always if if a woman asks you for feedback try to give it to them like yeah. if you can only give one piece of feedback and one's a guy and one's a, a woman try to give the feedback to the woman because they're going to it's going to be harder for them to get good quality reviews right and the other thing is um, always really carefully think about what you're saying in these things because you get a lot of flaky qualitative um, behavior sort of things so like women will be more strident or they'll be more argumentative but um, men never get those descriptions uh, in reviews and yeah. things like that. And so if you're on the receiving end of that, like if you're a manager and you're getting that feedback from someone about, uh, uh, not even just a, a, a woman, but anyone who's an underrepresented minority, um, to really drill down into it. Like what exactly yeah. was the thing? Because you, you get a lot of secondhand, oh, I didn't really like the way they constructed that email. It's a perfectly innocuous email. <laughs> They've just kind of that that unconscious bias has crept in. Yeah. And so every time there's some sort of unqualified or vague piece of feedback that is especially about behavior, drill down into it, examine it, see if there is some bias at play. Because uh, women in, in un- underrepresented groups always get hit with that stuff, yeah. whereas a lot of men don't. Yeah. Um, and it can really hold people back and it these sort of things really affect women uh, quite strongly because it's like, I thought I was being good, a good team member, communicating, you know, getting all my stakeholders involved, all these sort of things. And 
it just throws people for a loop and this is more yeah. from like <laughs> on my union experience but um it's so tough to get good kind of practical delivery focused reviews it's like yes they delivered this thing it was really well done all that sort of stuff so give good evidenced feedback for people and that will help them career-wise uh, more so than probably um, anything else that you could do for them yeah. <laughs> um, or you know if they if they need help with something you know be be very thorough you know help them through the problem get them to build their confidence while you're solving that problem yeah. um, but just be there be supportive be unjudgmental and just help them in small ways uh, to progress and um, just as a final question, um, how the, the Women's Network's been around for several years now, and as obviously as we've spoken about, it's done lots of lots of things. How would GDS be different if the Women's Network didn't exist? I think we'd have less women in the workplace. Mm. <laughs> yeah, definitely less women. I think the culture would probably be um, not very nice, really. Yeah, I think it'd be all right, but it wouldn't be as thoughtful as it is. I think yeah. over the years it's become far more thoughtful. Um, yeah, definitely less women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it would be more hostile. Um, but yeah, it probably just wouldn't be such a nice place to be day to day. So real tangible, not only a nicer place, but more women in the workplace. Yeah. And literally it, because of the network. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, you know, the work we produce as, um, you know, as working for the government, our products have to work for everyone. Yeah. So if we've got more of a range of uh, inputs and we have um, better um, products that we produce. So yeah. Um, yeah. I think it, I, I have no idea why the people who took shared parental leave took it because they knew of it. But I know the civil service in general has been the largest uptake of people using shared parental leave so for, for those who don't know <laughs> it means that if you meet certain qualifications um, you can basically split the time off between your partners yeah. um, so you might take four months the mother might take four months the mother or the other father uh, might take four months whatever however you break mm -hmm. it down um, and I think because it's so unjudgmental in terms of where we work um, and that you know you won't be disappointing your team if you leave for four months uh, to spend that quality time with your child. Um, that more more men will take it here. Like I know so many men who's, who've taken shared parental leave yeah. with GDS, uh, and it's just great. You know, you get to have that time. I'm not a parent. I don't know what it's like, um, but I imagine it it must be nice not to have two weeks and have to yeah. go back and have a newborn <laughs> in your house to be able to take that time. Yeah, uh, and and you know become a parent yeah must be really nice yeah, yeah. the countries where there is um you know a greater um amount of maternity and paternity leave um you know they have better uh, gender equality so yeah. yeah i think it's so important and if more emphasis more importance and understanding the importance of caregiving i think like you know we're so taught like career 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 but actually if we didn't have caregiving then people can't have careers so i think <laughs> you know if more um appreciation was given towards that as well which yeah. I think it is here at GDS more so than a lot of other places then I think that's good because if people are happy outside of work they're going to do better work when they're at work <laughs> <laughs> hopefully and just to finish off um, for anyone who's listening to this how can they get involved with and join the women's network ah, so um, please join um, <laughs> uh, so yeah we have um, a 
Google group. So usually a lot of the communications are done through that. Yeah. Um, so it's probably best to join that. Um, otherwise, just message me or Nikki or Laura. Um, and yeah, there's plenty of different groups that you yeah. could be involved in. And it's kind of like if anyone's got an idea that they want to um, make happen, then we're open to trying to make it happen. So Brilliant. Well, I hope um, lots of people do. Um, so, yeah, Liz and Rosa, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. So thank you very much for joining us for that episode of the GDS podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and if you want to listen to any more podcasts, um, please go to wherever it is that you listen to your podcast and subscribe to it. Um, we've got lots more coming up. Uh, the next episode, which we'll be releasing in December, will be a review of the year at the Government Digital Service. So um, please subscribe and listen to that one. And um, I hope you enjoy what we've done and what we'll do in the future. Thank you very much. <laughs>